awesome. Been a good morning already. Um, so, I was reading a picture book to my daughter one time, and let's see if I've got a picture of it here. Yes, 101 Animal Secrets. And um, she looked at the front cover, and she looked close at this monkey, and she said, wow, that looks just like grandma. <laughs> so I did exactly what you just did. I cracked up and laughed for a few minutes. And so what did she do? Every single time that we've picked up the book since then, she's reminded me that this monkey looks like my mother. Because her experience affected her. It was a positive experience. She wanted it to happen again. Um, we're gonna, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, how our experiences affect us. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my childhood. When I was young, I lived in Ontario, and we moved around a little bit because of my dad's job. So moved bunch of different places in Ontario, and then by the time I was three, we were moving to Edmonton, Alberta, where I spent until I was 10 years old. So I had some, some really good years in Edmonton. Now, if you know my kids, you may have seen them here, um, you may have got an idea of what I was like at this time of my life, full of energy, crazy ideas. Um, I, was, I was actually, surprisingly, one of the bigger kids in my class, um, I was good at school, I was involved in sports, good at, um, I was popular and uh, I was actually a leader of my peers. I loved school because it was a good experience for me. But after finishing grade five in Edmonton, we moved back here to Toronto. Now Toronto is a very different city than Edmonton. Um, the expanse, the traffic, the people. So uh, my dad was working a very different job, had to travel farther, I didn't see him as much. Uh, when we lived in Edmonton, my mom stayed home to look after my brother and myself. And when we moved here, she had to start working again. So already, home life is changing. For a bunch of different reasons, um, I found myself joining a class at school two months after the beginning of school. So not only did I have no friends from last year in my class, I was the new kid on the block, I was having a hard time fitting in, and guess what? My experience affected me. Um, ah yes, my family shopped at Kmart and Byway. Do you remember those stores? These are the inexpensive stores of the day. And kids in my class were wearing like polo shirts and Levi jeans and Nike Airs. And of course, I started to get teased very soon. Uh, maybe one of the biggest things was I wasn't involved in sports anymore, but my interest was in music. And that was just not cool. So I was, I was getting teased, it started out slow, and then um, moved into full-on full bullying and I hated school. This was the worst part of my life that I had to do every day. Um, so I learned to, to dread everything about school. The interactions, 
the threats, being beaten up, the taunting about my clothes, my interests. And because of all these things, I was starting to build up some walls around myself. My heart was starting to get hard. I would take any opportunity I could to avoid going outside at lunch hour. I would just rather stay in the classroom all by myself um, so that I didn't have to interact with anybody. That was not the only way that my experiences were affecting me. Um, I started acting out of fear. I would cut the labels out of my clothes so that nobody could tell where I bought them. I, would, I was begging my parents for brand name shoes, but did it help when I got them? Of course not. Um, I was, as you can imagine, I was not happy. I spent a lot of time crying and I fought with anybody that was close to me. So I was just making it worse for myself. My heart was getting hard. Now, I don't share any of that to ask for sympathy from you because my experience might have been like a dream compared to somebody else's experience in this room. We all have hard experiences. We all experience hard things, right? Um, some harder than others. And even in the most loving families, kids get hurt. I'm painfully aware of that now as I'm preparing my kids to need counseling. Um, and it's because of the hardness in my heart that I'm kind of helping them along to harden theirs. Okay, picture a few years down the road, many years down the road at your own funeral. And somebody comes up here to, to talk about you and to share their, their deep feelings about you. And they get up here and they say, wow, that David, man, he had a hard heart. I mean, he was one of the hardest people that I know. His heart was stone cold. How many of you would like that? Any, nobody? Of course not. We all know that having a hard heart, saying that somebody has a hard heart is a criticism. That's a bad thing. That's not something that we want, right? And I'll tell you why we don't want it. it. It leads us to a foundational truth of life. And it's because, yep, that's, I'm at the wrong part of my, my PowerPoint here. Oh well, I'll tell you. It's because um, God created us in his image, right? God's heart is not hard. His heart is full of love and compassion. And we want to be like him. We were created to be like him. So, um, what is a hard heart? If we look at scripture, we see a number of places where hard hearts are talked about. And one of those categories is where God actually hardens someone's heart. You might remember in the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, Pharaoh is holding these, this people as slaves. And it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened his heart to make a point. Okay, take that and set it over here. We're not talking about that this morning. Um, we're gonna talk about um, us having the responsibility for our own hearts. And we're gonna see this in Psalm 95. The psalmist says, today 
If you would only hear his voice, if you would only hear God's voice, and this is what it says, don't harden your hearts like you did at Meribah, like you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, even though they'd seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts have gone astray and they've not known my ways. So he's, he's looking at these people and he's saying, these folks' hearts have gone the wrong way. They've gone hard. Don't you guys do that? So, um, we, we see there that we have a responsibility for our own hearts. Don't harden your hearts is what God says. If we don't want a hard heart, what do we want? What's, what's the opposite of a hard heart? Exactly. Okay, Google, what do you say about a soft heart? Someone who, has, who is soft-hearted has a very sympathetic and kind nature. Synonyms for soft heart are kind, generous, tender, sympathetic. This is the kind of heart that we want. This is the kind of heart that God has. Um, for years, um, people have pictured God as this uh, miserly old judge with a hard heart sitting up in the heavens just with his lightning bolt waiting to throw it down on anybody who, who messes up, right? That's not a picture from the Bible. That's not a picture of the God that we know. Um, Here's what God says about himself. He says to Moses, I am the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And some of the other writers of the Bible, we read in 1 John, God is love. God is not just full of love. He's not just loving. He is love, his very essence is love. He can't do anything outside of love. Jesus said the, God loved the world so much he gave up his greatest um, possession is the wrong word, but his greatest thing. He gave up his only son out of love. Paul says, while we were still sinners, while we were still deserving that lightning bolt to come and hit us, this is what he did. Jesus Christ died for us to pay the penalty for our sin. Now, Paul is a guy who gave up everything so that he could go around the world telling people about Jesus' love, God's love for us. And he's got this burning prayer in Ephesians that he prays for us. I pray that you would grasp just a little bit of how wide and how long and how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants us, his prayer is that we would experience this love that surpasses everything that can go on in our, our mind because Paul has tasted of that love himself. He wants us to know it. So, just the, the picture, that's the kind of heart that we want, right? That's the, 
the loving, um, compassionate, gracious nature of God. That's the kind of heart that we want because we're created in his image. Okay, let me sum up so far. Our experiences affect us. Our negative experiences affect us negatively. And we can start to build up a mechanism around ourselves that we think is going to try to protect us from other hurt coming in. But in reality, those walls that we're building up higher and higher around ourselves are not protecting us. They're isolating us. Um, as we allow our negative experience to shape us, our thoughts and our actions, um, we allow our heart to become hard. And without realizing it, we're becoming exactly what we know we don't want to be. We know what we want to be. We want to be that loving, um, have that loving and caring heart. Um, but it, it's just happening kind of at a subconscious level. So back to my grade six, seven, and eight class, my heart felt unwanted. I felt unloved. I felt rejected. I felt beaten down. And my response was to pull back, to withdraw from relationships, to hide, to go into my head, or, and to try to become really good at something, anything, so that people would look at this instead of me. That's a picture of me hardening my heart. Now, all of us have experienced hard things, and so all of our hearts have become hardened to a certain point. Somewhere in between a little bit hard and rock solid. So what about you? Has something come to mind as I've been speaking? Something from your past? Some hurt? Some, some way that you are acting that you think, man, that's not the way that I want to act. That's not the way that I want to live. So where do we go from here? That's kind of a bleak picture. All of our hearts are hard. Let's go home. No, there, there is a, there's a way forward. We've got a, a direction we can go. And I'm going to suggest two things. The first thing is arrange a time for God to perform open heart surgery on us. The second thing is create a new habit that repents of our past way of operating. So what do I mean by open heart surgery? I'm not talking about just remembering something from our past. I'm talking about inviting Jesus to take us right back into that hurt. Because he speaks to us and he speaks truth when we're believing um, one thing about ourselves, he comes and he, he, he shifts our, our focus and says, actually, that's not right. This is the truth. 
So we're going to take some time and we're going to do this in a few minutes. But I'll, I'll mention this. Lots of you know this already. We have a freedom team. And we're going to take five minutes to do this kind of stuff. If you are interested in a more in-depth ministry time, our freedom team will spend an hour with you, we'll spend a couple hours with you in um, praying into an issue, listening to God with you, and helping you hear what Jesus has to say about a particular situation or a hurt or whatever it is that you're coming with. Um, so our freedom team is a group of volunteers. They're trained, and um, we place a high value on that ministry. And so there's a, a cost for that ministry just because we want you to place a value on that as well. If you want to find out more about that, you can talk to Isan. She's sitting here um, at the front, and you can sign up for a ministry session at the back with Lorraine at the Connections desk. Okay, take that, put it in your pocket. We're going back to open heart surgery. I'm going to look at Ezekiel chapter 36, and I'm going to paraphrase a few verses. God is talking to his people, the Israelites, and he says to them, you guys messed up big time, and you kept on messing up. You defiled my name. You're the ones that are representing me to the world, to the nations, and you're not doing a good job. So you're defiling my name. And so I let other nations come and conquer you and lay your land a waste, the land that I promised you. But because everyone knew that you were my people, you continued to profane my name because now you're exiles, you're slaves in foreign countries, and that's profaning my name even more. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. I'll show the holiness of my great name. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Did you see in that first slide, God is concerned about his own image. It's not for your sake I'm going to do this, he says. It's for mine. We are the ones that represent him. We are uh, the new Israel in this sense. We're representing him to the nations. Do you think that he wants us to go around representing him with a hard heart? Of course not. So he is the one who is going to um, remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. He's the one who's going to do it.
in one of the first inner healing sessions that I had when I was 16, I can remember spending a lot of time going back um, and remembering those fairly recent memories at that point, um, forgiving the kids who bullied me. Now, two years ago, Joy and I went through a Restoring the Foundations Ministry Week, and guess what? I had more work to do. I, I worked through some more of those memories of fear from the same time period, and, and God spoke his truth to me. I don't want a hard heart. I want to be operating of who God says I am, not who somebody said I was when I was 11. So what I mean by arranging a time for God to perform open heart surgery is um, setting a specific time aside, and it's really helpful to do this with others sometimes, to pray through an issue and hear what God has to say about the truth of that situation. Now, the second point was creating, create a new habit that repents of our past way of operating. It's serious work to create a new habit. It's a lot of work to agree with the healing that God offers us and to walk it out. God can heal us of a past hurt. He can speak exactly the right truth to our heart to combat the way of thinking that's formed in that hurt. But in my case, I've had 30 years of operating this one particular way. Um, maybe that way was, no one loves me. Or maybe it was, everyone rejects me. Or I can't do anything right. He comes and he speaks to me and he says, the truth is, David, I love you. Um, when I think everyone rejects me, he says, David, I chose you to be my son. And when I think I can't do anything right, he says, I've prepared good works in advance for you to do. So I can hear those words, but if I don't repent, if I don't turn away from the way that I have been going, then I'm just going to keep going down this road. If I don't get up on the other side of the bed and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going down that road this morning. I am going to believe you, God, that you love me and that you've prepared good works for me. If I don't do that intentionally, I'm going to keep going this way. I might think um, in this, uh, this moment of encounter with God, yes, I, I've heard your truth about the lie that I've been believing, but nobody loves me anymore. No, still nobody loves me. Look around. Look at my experience. It, it takes a lot of work to create that new habit of believing what God says to us. So I did a very short little bit of research on Google and found in the European Journal of Social Psychology, they published a study on forming new habits, and they found that it takes an average of 66 days to form a new habit. Now, maybe if it's starting to exercise, it might take 50 days. You're, you're starting something new. But if you are, 
in this case, I'm not just starting something new. I'm training myself not to go down the habit that I have had. So I'm turning away from one thing, turning to a new thing. That's harder. That takes more work. So maybe it's going to take me 70 days um, to, of intentional work. Think about getting up to exercise. Okay? Day one. Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to exercise, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, day two. Day, all the way up to day 49. Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. Day 50 comes around. Yes, I get to exercise this morning. Okay? When you get to that point, you know that you have a new habit. Until I get to that point, I need to be the one that is pushing and pushing and pushing to form this new habit. So I can, I can relate to this in um, the ministry that I've received. I've received lots of ministry, lots of counseling, weeks of inner healing ministry, and I'm still struggling with some of the same things. Is that because the ministry didn't work? Is that because God didn't heal me? No. It's because I have failed to do this part, to, to make a new habit, intentionally working towards believing what God has said about me. So we're going to do the first step right now. We're going to ask God to perform open heart surgery on us. I'm going to ask him specifically to bring up any kind of hardness. You guys, our Father is faithful. He is the one who's told us, don't harden your hearts. He's the one who's told us, I'm going to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He wants this for us even more than we do. He's going to bring healing. But if we want it to last, we've got some work our work cut out. So write down what God says. If you have a pencil, you have a paper, write it down. If you've got a cell phone, write it down. If you receive it today and you just kind of leave it here, then I bet by tomorrow morning you're not going to remember what God said to you today. Write it down. Then remind yourself every day However you remind yourself, put a sticky on your mirror, uh, set a reminder on your phone to pop up at 11.22. David, God loves you. Don't forget that. Make it pop up for the next 66 days, however long you need until we appropriate this truth. And get help. It's really hard to do this by yourself. So talk to a friend. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your connect group leader. If you need help, we want to help you. 